Diverse is brought to you by SWE Advance, supporting the recruitment, retention, and advancement of women in engineering through career resources, professional development, and one-to-one networking opportunities. Hi, I'm Peggy Lane, Assistant Provost for Faculty Development at Virginia Tech and a past president of the Society of Women Engineers. This is the Society of Women Engineers Diverse podcast series. You can add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. In 2002, I thought it might be interesting to write an article for SWE magazine profiling women deans of engineering. At that time, there were barely a dozen female deans out of more than 360 engineering programs in the United States and Canada, tracked by the American Society for Engineering Education. Now, 15 years later, there are almost 60 women deans, including one at my own institution, Virginia Tech. Half of these women became deans only in the last few years. I've invited two or three of these deans to be interviewed for a profile in SWE magazine each year since 2002, and this year's article appears in the fall 2017 issue. It features Dr. Elaine Scott from the University of Washington Bothell and Dr. Nada Anid from the New York Institute of Technology, and they're joining me today for this podcast. Thanks to you both. Our pleasure. Yes. Very happy to be here. Because we're engineers, I like to start out with a few numbers. According to the American Society for Engineering Education, who keeps track of these things, last year women accounted for 22% of engineering undergraduates and earned 21% of bachelor's degrees, 25% of master's degrees, and 23% of doctoral degrees in engineering in the U.S. and Canada. More women are earning engineering degrees than ever before, but that's mainly because the overall number of engineering degrees awarded has increased by almost two-thirds over the past 15 years, while the percentage of degrees earned by women has stayed between 18 and 22%. On the faculty side, women currently make up slightly more than 16% of engineering professors, which is a big increase from just 9% in 2002. But overall, women are still underrepresented in engineering, especially in leadership roles. As I've talked with women deans over the years, it seems that very few of them started out planning to become a dean. Dr. Anid, can you tell us a little bit about your career path and how you came to be a dean? Absolutely. And uh, I also appreciate the fact that you um, mentioned the number of deans uh, in North America and that it has reached uh, 60 uh, today. Uh, When I became dean in 2009, I was number 16. And before that, when I was department chair, uh, my dean, who was a female, was number six in the nation. So, uh, So we've made a lot of progress, and that's very nice to see. Um, Like you said, I never planned to be a department chair or to be a dean. Uh, I was just a professor who loved uh, teaching and research. But I also uh, volunteered uh, and and, uh, put myself on committees. And whenever um, there was uh, a meeting or something to do, uh, I raised my hand. And uh, and, uh, my department chair and my dean, my provost, noticed that. And when an opportunity came about, uh, I was offered uh, to uh, take on the position of department chair. And uh, because they saw in me leadership uh, characteristics, uh, basically uh, uh, good in management, uh, very well organized, but uh, also uh, with uh, other attributes like uh, people skills, communication skills, a passion uh, for uh, bringing others uh, to, uh, to the next level. 
Uh, and uh, that's uh, what, uh, what also brought me to this position. Thank you. Dr. Scott, how about you? Well, likewise, I didn't uh, plan out to be a dean. Um, the leadership path, other than, um, again, the normal faculty roles of teaching and research, and it was while I was at Virginia Tech, um, and getting involved with ASME and the various uh, groups there. Um, but one thing that happened at Virginia Tech is that I was sort of talked into being uh, director of a center of biomedical engineering. And shortly afterwards, we uh, and a couple other faculty members had this great idea to form a school of biomedical engineering. And so we ventured on that path, and it was a collaboration with Wake Forest University and a big public with a small pot, uh, private institution. We got into a uh, a major endeavor that I had no idea of what we were getting into. And what I found from that is that it was really fun. And it's probably some of the best fun I've had um, in my professional career. Um, I moved out west for family reasons in 2006 and ended up at a small private institution where I was director of engineering there, and that was an eye-opener because I'd never been at a small private uh, institution, and I really saw the value that they put on undergraduate education. And then that just opened the door when the position here opened up at UW-Bothell. It was a combination of a, a, everything a large, a large public institution has with a twist of a small private just made the position very attractable to me. So I'm here. Great. Following up on that, uh, some of the comments that you made, Dr. Scott, one of the interesting things that I've learned about from talking with deans over the years is the real variety of engineering programs in this country. Most engineering degrees are awarded by large research-intensive public universities like Virginia Tech, but there are a lot of other institutions that also offer engineering degrees, and the, the institutions that the two of you represent are very different, and uh, I'd like you to take a few minutes to talk about your specific institution and what kind of changes you uh, have been making in your role as dean. So we'll start with Dr. Scott, if you could tell us a little bit about the University of Washington Bothell and the things that you've got going on there. Yes, thanks. Um, I, again, I sort of grew up through large public research institutions, and that sort of that was in my DNA before I went to the small private. And uh, UW Bothell is really, to me, like taking a large public uh, research institution and combining it with a small private teaching college. Uh, our faculty are expected to do research. Um, except for we have limited graduate programs, we have master's programs, and so the faculty that we attract here really look to engage undergraduate students in research in a really meaningful way. So that is one thing that I think is very um, prevalent throughout our programs here. Uh, when I came here, the School of STEM is what we have, as science, technology, engineering, and mathematics are all under one uh, hat, uh, was, hadn't quite been approved yet when I was hired as, to be the dean. So it was the uh, coming in as a dean of a new school. When I started, we had degrees in biology, um, computing and software systems, and electrical engineering. And those were the only degree programs we had. And so since that time, we've grown up uh, degree programs in um, 
a master's in electrical engineering, a degree in mechanical engineering. We have now a degree in uh, computer engineering. And then also in the sciences, we have chemistry and physics, and we have mathematics. And so overall, we've grown, um, I believe, about 14 different degree programs since uh, we started five years ago. So it's been a very rapid growth. Uh, the other thing that's happened since I've been here is that we've hired a lot of new faculty, and that's one of the uh, best parts of the job. The uh, new faculty we have coming in are very energetic, are very in dedicated to teaching as well as doing really meaningful research as they uh, progress through the years. So. Um, it's been a real pleasure being here, and I really enjoy this combination of, of integrating the teaching and the research uh, in a, a relatively small setting. So you've been involved in really starting up a, a new program and growing it. Uh, Dr. Anid, can you tell us a little bit about what's special about the New York Institute of Technology and what kind of changes you've been leading since you've been dean? Sure. Um, to me, uh, the deanship is about engaging people, uh, whether those are uh, the school students, uh, faculty, uh, employers, or alumni. So starting with the students, um, I have uh, implemented uh, just to be closer to them, because as a dean, uh, uh, the job can uh, isolate you. I created a student council. I meet with them uh, once every two weeks. I listen to their concerns. And uh, we work together into giving them the resources they need uh, to succeed. Uh, I also established uh, the first uh, dean's honors program at uh, NYIT. Uh, and I'm happy to say that this year we're seeing a record high number of uh, honor students uh, uh, relative uh, to uh, past years, and it's it's a very exciting change. Um, I've also pushed uh, the entrepreneurship and innovation agenda by creating a center uh, that's uh, funded by the state of New York and uh, the Department of Commerce in DC. And this is uh, because I have female students in mind. And to me, uh, increasing their confidence and increasing um, risk taking in them and teaching them failure through uh, all these skills that you learn from entrepreneurship and bringing an idea to fruition uh, is was my vision for that center. Uh, so right now, uh, students, male and female, are engaged in industry projects. Uh, we also offer them uh, mini grants uh, to come up with an idea and uh, uh, pursue either a research or an entrepreneurship project with the faculty. Uh, in terms of um, uh, the faculty now, which is the other category of people, uh, we um, have hired um, a large cluster of uh, junior faculty in, in, main, in three main focus areas, and that has invigorated uh, the school. Um, uh, to me, culture is also very important, a homey culture where everyone is helping each other, uh, a, a, a culture that is not competitive, faculty work um, on research projects uh, in teams, they complement each other because the hiring is very strategic. 
Um, and they have one aspiration, which is to start a PhD program. Uh, so we're working on that. And uh, the transformation there is boosting the research portfolio at NYIT, which went from zero uh, to now several million dollars, which is modest, but for a school our size uh, is a pretty uh, good accomplishment. Uh, of course, uh, along with that, uh, we engage uh, with our community. We have two campuses, urban and suburban. Uh, so there are a lot of opportunities to work with uh, industry, employers, and our alumni body. Uh, so Dr. Anit, about how many students and how many faculty are at NYIT? Uh, we have over 2,000 students. Um, half of them are undergraduate students, and the other half are graduate students. We have very large master's programs, um, and we have a span um, of uh, programs and degrees, uh, mechanical engineering, aerospace, uh, electrical computer engineering, uh, and in engineering management, environmental, uh, energy. Uh, we also have a very large uh, and growing computer science and IT program within the School of Engineering. Uh, now, in terms of the faculty, all in all, uh, if we count uh, uh, the part-time and full-time, we have about 100 faculty. Thank you. And Dr. Scott, just for comparison about how many students and how many faculty in your college at the University of Washington, Bothell? So we have about, um, I guess, 1,200 students within our uh, school, and we have around 85 full-time faculty, um, and probably about 100 total, uh, a little over 100 total if you count uh, equivalent part-time faculty uh, in our school. So two engineering colleges at opposite sides of the United States with some, <laughs> some interesting similarities and differences yes. there. Yes, yes, absolutely. So when I talk to deans, I always like to ask you, what's the best thing about being a dean? So we'll, we'll start with Dr. Anid, and, and you already talked a little bit about people, but can you say a little bit more about what's your favorite part of the job? Well, it's... it's Having this vision of where you want to go and and um, and bringing everyone together uh, so that they all embrace it and moving forward with it, I find that uh, fascinating, and uh, this is what drives me every day. And this this the part also um, that is my driver and passion is um, the difference we make in the lives of others. Uh, I feel that uh, every hour. Thank you. And Dr. Scott? Um, well, I think one of the favorite parts um, is graduation, because that's really where you see the, the you know, fruits of our labor, <laughs> so to speak, um, as the students walk across the stage and shake your hand. And um, it's just really, they're so excited and so you know, just thrilled to have uh, accomplished a very, very uh, significant um, thing in their lives. Um, in addition to that, I think um, seeing our faculty succeed and um, carry out their ideas of you know what they want to do and what they want to do with our program. Uh, being a new program, um, one of the things that we have, and we have a lot of uh, early career faculty that they have a really significant uh, 
say in the future of our school. So uh, seeing their ideas come into fruition is, is uh, a lot of fun. So um, again, watching those things uh, play out. And of course, I love to, to do, um, get in the little engineering analytics as I go <laughs> makes me happy as well. But uh, watching people succeed is, is really the best part of the job. That's great. Working at a university, we, I at least tend to get caught up in my day-to-day -day activities, and, and graduation is always a time to kind of reflect about the significance of the things that we do here. So that's, that's certainly a, a fun part of being at a university. I'm going to go a little bit off script here and circle back to how you got to be a dean. Um, Dr. Scott, you did um, mention that you were involved in ASME, the American Society of Mechanical Engineers. I'm hoping that at least some of the listeners to this podcast will be engineering students who may be involved in SWE or other engineering societies. So I'd like for each of you to talk a little bit about your involvement with professional associations and how that uh, impacted your career path. And, and I'll let you start with that, Dr. Scott. Oh, thank you. Um, I became involved with ASME uh, very early on as a, a new faculty member, assistant professor, um, and I found it to be an extremely rewarding experience. Uh, when I was an assistant professor, I could go to um, the meetings and meet other faculty, learn what they were doing, and it was very easy to get on committees and be involved in that way, and uh, didn't take too long for you know, you end up chairing a session at a conference, and then they ask you to organize a session, and then you're asked to, well, will you consider being chair of this committee, and uh, and so on. So it was uh, it, being involved with the professional societies in that link to other professional engineers is extremely rewarding and um, really supports you in the development of your own career. So for all those out there who are undergraduate students, get involved with whatever uh, society that you have at your institution that you might be interested in, because it is truly rewarding, and it will connect you to understand what it means to be a professional um, as, in the, as, as an engineer. Dr. Anit, can you say anything about experience with professional associations? Absolutely. Um, professional societies have influenced my career path in a, in a major way. In particular, uh, the American Society for Engineering Education, uh, the American uh, Institute for uh, Chemical Engineers, and um, uh, the Women uh, Engineers Leadership Institute, Whaley. Uh, through AICHE, um, I, of course, started by just presenting papers, and then I signed up and joined uh, divisions, uh, chaired uh, sessions, uh, and uh, ended up uh, chairing uh, entire divisions and uh, being responsible for the programming over uh, a whole week in those uh, divisions. Uh, also, as department chair, I volunteered to become um, the head of the department chair's organization within AICHE and uh, organized those meetings, uh, looked at uh, 
uh, or and asked the chairs what uh, issues uh, they were facing. So we invited um, uh, upper administrators, uh, deans, or and presidents to tell us about uh, the lessons learned. So that. I owe everything to those organizations, uh, including SWE, of course, uh, because that's where you create bonds. That's where um, you uh, you meet mentors. Uh, you need those uh, ladies who are listening. Uh, form a board of mentors. I have two daughters, and that's that is what will help you uh, move up uh, in your career. Thank you both. I'm going to close with one last question, and that's, do you have any other suggestions or advice for young women considering leadership roles and academic careers? So, uh, Dr. Scott? Um, I think my advice would be very simple. Don't be afraid. <laughs> it's, um, I think, one thing that I, if I reflect back on my career, it was, you know, sometime, some parts of it was just being naive. Um, but just really being willing to jump in and um, don't worry that you may not know everything in the world because you will figure it out. And it is so rewarding to be involved in some of these uh, in a leadership positions. It's just extremely rewarding. So I encourage people to really um, not be afraid to really jump in and, and have Surround yourself with good mentors. One of the most uh, re uh, helpful things that I've found is having people that I can talk to. And don't you know if you don't know something, ask and get input and um, have people that around you that are very good advisors as you go through. Thank you, Dr. Anid. How about you? Yes, uh, my advice would be to uh, always uh, get out of your comfort zone and uh, have the uh, you-can-do-it attitude. Uh, of course, you're going to go through bad days, but um, always find that inner strength. Pick yourself up and keep walking. Uh, for leadership, uh, the, to get there, to get to the top, just volunteer, sign up for things, and wait for opportunities uh, at the right moment. Uh, things will open up and you'll be ready. Thank you so much. I would certainly second both of those uh, bits of advice. Dean Nada Anid is from the New York Institute of Technology and Dean Elaine Scott is at the University of Washington Bothell. Thank you both so much for joining me today and participating in this conversation. You can find the fall issue of SWE Magazine on our website at SWE.org. For the Society of Women Engineers, I'm Peggy Lane. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to explore additional offerings from SWE Advance at advancedlearning.swe.org.